As I was preparing for this lesson this morning, um, something happened. And there's been a lot of weeks where it, you know, it's seven days away and um, I'm supposed to speak and I just don't have anything yet. And so I've grown comfortable with that. But last Sunday, I'm putting the flesh on to this sermon, and I really had just this pressing on me that the Lord said, that's not it. That's not what you're supposed to preach. And so then I begin this conversation with God of, of this is good. <laughs> Do you see how good this sermon is? Like People are going to really be blessed by this, and the Spirit saying, nope. Okay, but you see the content. That, let, me, let me explain it to you real quick, God. The stuff that I'm going to say this Sunday. And the Spirit said, nope. And so I said, all right, then what do you got? Are you still there? And so just for days, there, there was nothing that was there. And like I said, I've been there before, but the frustrating thing was I had something. And it was good. And the Spirit said, nope. And then he laid it on my heart middle of this week. And it's something that really convicted me for what we're supposed to hear in this, in this Christmas season. And so the sermon's going to be a little bit different. We're actually going to start at the end, and we're going to work our way backwards into the Christmas season. So let's pray this morning. God, we're grateful for the time you give us to share together. We're grateful for your word. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you have to say, any obstacles, any distractions that, that are in opposition to what you have for us. We pray that those would be removed by the name of Jesus, and that you would pour through me the gift of, of preaching, of speaking, and that my words would be 100% of you, that we receive what you have to give. In the name of Jesus, the church said, amen. So I got to ask you this morning, is there anyone in here that's anxious? And it's a rhetorical question. I don't expect hands to be raised. If no hands were raised, I would know that we're not truthful in this church. But is there anyone in here that's just anxious this morning? There's so many things that, that, that cause us to be anxious. Our jobs, our finances, the bills, uh, people, school, marriages, the holiday season causes anxiety in our lives. Uh, buying presents, receiving presents, uh, all of these different things, getting prepared, putting up lights for the holidays, they cause anxiety in our life. Sometimes it's the people that are in our family that we know we're going to have to spend 24 hours with, and how are we going to get through that in the holiday season? And if you don't have someone in your family that's like that, it's probably you. <laughs> but, but I'm convinced <laughs> that our struggle our spiritual struggle is not always against depravity. Our spiritual struggle is not always against evil. Sometimes our spiritual struggle is against fear and it's against anxiety. And this is not something new to the people of God. This is something that we see all through scripture uh, that fear is present in the people of God when their eyes stray from who they are called to be. And so this is what 1 John says, 1 John says, perfect love drives out fear. It drives out anxiety. And so here's, here's a verse that you've probably never heard in a Christmas message before. And again, we're going to start at the end 
of the story. And this is what Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15 says. It says, since the children, that's you, since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Now you probably don't walk around every day feeling like I am enslaved to the fear of death. But scripture tells us that's who we are, that we're a people who by our anxious fear are captivated and enslaved by the fear of death. Now, the way that some psychologists have put this is that the fear of death is when our fear is a biological or psychological response that is to its limit. And it's where we get the phrase, we're stretched thin and we're stretched to our limit. Brene Brown puts it this way, that it is the psychology of scarcity. And there are tons of things that can be scarce in our lives that can cause us to be anxious in the way that we live out our life. It can be our employment. It can be our possessions. It can be our stuff. It can be our children. It can be our spouse. It could be our, the way we think of ourselves. Am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? And it's called the psychology of not enoughs, which falls into the fear of scarcity, that we're not enough for whatever. It's a shame-based fear of being ordinary, is what Brene Brown says, that we're not enough to be more than that. And it's contrary to the word of God. And so what our response to that is we begin searching for ways that will draw us near to God or that will draw God near to us. That will get us closer to God. And so we look for uh, books that have this path of if you do this, then God will be near if you say this prayer, if you do this every day, God will be near. When in reality, what Scripture tells us is that God is here. It's the name that Jesus has given, Emmanuel. God is with us, not God was with you, not God will be with you, that God is with you now. A couple of years ago, my family went to Disneyland and if you've ever been there, uh, I think they have it at Six Flags now, I'm not sure. But you, when you buy tickets, you can also buy these things called fast passes. And what fast passes do is when you come up to a ride, when you come up to the line, there's the line for the ordinary people, and then there's the line for the people that, has a fast, that have a fast pass. And you get in that line and you go directly to the front of the line. You go directly in front of everyone else that doesn't have one. And that's how we treat our spirituality sometimes. That if I do this, that it fast passes me to the end where God will be present. And what that breeds is these questions at the end of where is God? When will God show up? When in reality, the question that we should be asking is will we be aware that He is present? And so we try to fast pass through the journey to get to the end. When God is saying, I'm here now, be present because I'm here now. 
And so we sang a song earlier that we're going to sing again, and, and, I, and I want you to really see the lyrics. I know sometimes we see words on the screen, and we sing those words, and we don't really realize the truth that is being spoken uh, to us or to others through us. And so we sang earlier, God is with us, Emmanuel, you are hope, you are life, you are light, and all of these things and our response to that. And so we're going to sing that again now. That the name of Jesus that has been given is God is with us. So I'm going to ask you to stand and let's sing this together.
Go ahead and take a seat. Emmanuel, God is with us. I was told after first service that our team that uh, puts the breakfast out kind of got into a panic that they thought I was done preaching already and that everybody was about to come out. So I'm going to go ahead and warn you, I'm not done preaching. Um, here in a couple weeks, we're going to gather in a living room around a Christmas tree and we're going to give presents. And that looks different for a lot of people. But I want you to picture this, that we have these presents. And I have a 12-year-old son, I have a 10-year-old daughter. And so I have this present and I give it to my son. And it's this box and he's excited that he's going to open it. So he rips it open and here's this Fortnite thing that he's going to get to play later. And he's so excited. He says, thanks, Dad. And I said, I said you're welcome. I want you to know that that was $39.99. And so you don't have to pay me back right now, but I'm going to write it down because you owe me $39.99. Now here's this other present. Go ahead and open it. And he opens it and I said, now that one was $15.99. So we're just going to add this up. I'm just going to keep a tally. No pressure. You don't have to do it right now, but you're going to pay me back. And so then I go to my daughter and I give her this present and um, she opens it and I say, I say now sweetheart, that, that one was $20.99. And here's your tally and you're going to pay me back. And that's how we treat God. That here's this gift that he's been given us and we feel like we, we add up or that God is adding up all of the things that he's given us to make sure that we repay him for what he's given us. And here's what scripture says. Paul says, he emptied himself. Taking on the likeness of a human, he emptied himself. It's the gift that he's given so that we can be free from the slavery of the fear of death. Why is it so hard for us to receive what God has freely given us? And we add up and we think God is tallying up all of these things. As I was reading through the, the Christmas story this week, I was reading through Luke, Luke 1 and Luke 2, and I have to tell you, I was extremely convicted of how uh, casual and mundane I've made the Christmas story in my life. That why, why am I not amazed at the miraculous things that happened in this story? That, that I read it, and then I just go on to the next sentence. And so listen to this. A virgin gave birth. Do you realize that that is the only time that ever happened? By your response, I don't think you do. A virgin gave birth. We've been through biology class. We understand that that's not how it works. An angel showed up to Joseph and he spoke things that were going to happen. And they did. An angel shows up in the middle of this pasture to these shepherds and he spoke things that were going to happen. And they did. 
Do you understand the miraculous things that happened in this story that we have made so casual in our approach to it and that we think that happened then? End of story. The way Dallas Willard puts it, he says, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity, which breeds contempt. And so my prayer has been all week for us this morning that as we hear these things, that we will be amazed at the Christmas story again. And so I, at first I was like, well, I'm just going to ask them that as, as we read it, that they would hear it anew. And, and I think that's impossible, that we can't pretend like we hear it for the first time. So I don't want you to pretend like that. My prayer is that the Spirit convicts you by the power of the miraculous that happened. So listen to this. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Do you know why that they were doing that? Because that's what shepherds did. And what Luke is saying is, this is an ordinary night. The shepherds were shepherding. Spoiler alert, right? The shepherds shepherd. That's what they do. And here's where everything changes. They're keeping watch over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Can you imagine if an angel showed up in your presence? Because every time that I've read this before, I think to myself how awesome that would be to see an angel here and the glory shone around them. But what we see in scripture is that any time a spiritual being shows up, people's response is absolute fear. They're terrified because that doesn't happen. Just because we read it, that doesn't happen often. This is a rare occurrence. And so I'm, as I was thinking about this, I'm very grateful that I'm not an angel. Because if I was, I don't know that I would be as compassionate as the other angels are. Because their response is always, the next words that are in this, they say, do not be afraid. And I think I would string it out a little bit. I think when I see the fear of these people, I would probably say something like, run. Or something that's just going to kind of make it, you know, we'll, we'll get to the part of don't be afraid in a little bit. But let's have some fun with this, right? I'm an angel. But he says, do not be afraid. And you know why? You know why he says that? Because I bring good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. And this isn't the kind of good news that when you're, when you're going up to a friend and you say, man, I got good news. The Cowboys won today. And you can mark that down as prophecy for today. <laughs> Not the same type of good news. This is news that's going to change everything. And he says, I bring you good news. Now I got to tell you, in Israel at this time, there were not a lot of good things happening to the people of God. What history tells us is that it had been over 500 years since they had heard a word from one of the prophets of God. They were in oppression. They were in persecution. And the angel says, I bring good news. 
And this good news has great joy. And you know what this good news is? A Savior has been born. Does that amaze you? That a Savior has been born to you. And I think it's hard for us sometimes to grasp the salvation that is brought in this story for a number of reasons. And as I was going through this, I thought to myself, I don't want to offend people. And what the Spirit told me is it's better for them to leave offended than unaffected. And so my prayer for you as you hear this is that you will be affected by the Word of God. Because here's a number of reasons why we don't recognize the salvation that is there. One is because we don't recognize our need for it. And there are a lot of obstacles that can come in recognizing our need for a Savior. Sometimes we just compare ourselves to other people. Well, I'm not as bad as they are. And you know what Scripture tells us? All have fallen short. Sometimes we don't recognize our need for it because we're just too busy with sometimes good things. But they blind us from our recognition of our need for a Savior. Maybe one of the other reasons is you're too ashamed to accept it. Going back to the tally thing. I know what I've done. And there's no way that God could overcome that. I accepted him. I thought everything was going to change. And then I fell back into this. How can he accept me again or again or again or again? And it blinds us from our need for salvation. And one of the third things is, is we're too caught up in our own lives to realize our need for salvation. We're too caught up in our kids We're too caught up in our marriages. We're too caught up in our jobs. We're too caught up in the fear of scarcity to realize what's here before us. We're too caught up in in athletics. We're too caught up in education. We're too caught up in all, you don't need me to name them. You know on your heart what it is that, that is an obstacle, that's a distraction that keeps you from salvation. And why is it that we don't realize the the depth of the gift that has been given? I want you to picture this. I want you to picture that you're in a house. And this house is completely engulfed in flames. You will be dead in minutes, if not seconds. And then someone breaks through the door. And they break through that door and they come to grab you would your response be, hold on just a second. I want to make sure that I look good enough when you carry me out into the yard. I want to make sure that everything is in order when you carry me out into the yard. No! Our response would be this overwhelming experience of, I was dead. And the door that I never thought would open again was opened and brought salvation to me. There would be no delay in getting out of there. In fact, it might be the other end. We might run to that person when they open the door. 
Get me out of here. And scripture tells us you were dying. You were dead in your transgressions. But God showed up. But God emptied himself to free you from the slavery of fear and death. That is good news with great joy that a savior has been born to you. And here's the other part. What the angel says is he doesn't say a savior has been born to you. It's for all people. It says, I come with good news, with great joy for all people, for all races, for all genders, for all social classes, for all political classes, for all people. And we don't define what all means. Because you know what? All means all. And the Savior has been born for all people. And when the shepherds heard this, they didn't hear he's born just for us. They didn't hear he's born just for the Jews. They heard he is born for all people. And we have to receive it. And so we call this the giving season. But I think for us to get to the giving season, we have to go through the receiving season. Because if we don't receive what God has given, we don't have anything good to give. And so will you receive it? So I need a volunteer. Uh, I would like for it to be a, a young person. I know our eighth grade and under are out of here. Do I have anyone uh, under 15 in here? Anybody? Jim, I see you pointing at her. <laughs> Gentry, can you help me real quick? I promise you don't have to speak up here. So let me, let me get my, my, my uh, illustrations over here. Gentry Lamoran, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you can come right over here. All I need you to do is hold this real quick. Okay, now I need, I, I, trust, I know you're an athlete, and I, I need to make sure that you're physically able to walk from where you're at to right here in five seconds. Do you think you can do that? Think so? Okay. All right. So I'm going to put this right here, and you're going to get something off of this, okay? Now here's a piece of wood, and this is a really good piece of wood, okay? I got this out of my yard last night. It's a little bit wet because of the rain, but uh, what would you say this values? Do you think it's worth $10? It's not. Um, we'll say it, we'll say less than a dollar piece of wood. Okay. So that's a good gift though, right? You like it? No, you don't want it. Okay. Well, here, all you got to do is, is if you can get on your knees real quick, put your hand through that hole and you're going to hold that. Okay. Now over here, I'm going to put a $20 bill. Okay. Now, do you think that wood is worth more than this? Nope. Okay. So I'm going to put this right here. I told first service, I heard this um, saying, you know all those Chuck Norris sayings that you're out? I heard one this last week that if Chuck Norris holds $5 and you hold $5, Chuck Norris has more money than you. So <laughs> that's $20 right there, okay? Now, 
your participation is, all we have to do is count down from five to one. Can you help me do that? Okay, so if you want that $20, you can't move this, okay? This stays here, I'll hold it. You have to figure out how to get over there to get the $20. You got any questions? That's up to you if you take your hand out of the hole. There are no rules. You just can't move this. Think you can do it? Got any questions? That's up to you how you do it. Okay? I would, but that's up to you. Okay? All right. You ready? We're going to tell me when you're ready to start. All right. Here we go. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. You did it. That's yours. You can have it. Yep. You can go. You sit down. You can give that to your dad. He can give it to one of his work as like a re-gift for something. <laughs> or you can keep it, your money. For us to receive what God has given, we have to drop the things that are in our hands. If all we do is hold on, Gentry, if you were just holding on to that, would you have been able to get over there? No, but when we have the fear of scarcity in our lives, it causes us to cling even more to the things that we might be losing control over. And what God is saying is to receive what I have to give you, drop the things you're holding on to. To receive the gift that is better than that, drop it. That dollar bill is worth more than the piece of wood. Every time. And the gift of God is worth more than the things that we hold on to. And so will you receive what God gives us through Emmanuel, that he is present? And if you do, if we receive it, here's what we're called to. Verse 15 in Luke 2 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, two words right here, they said, Let's go. Now, at first service, I had Coach Lang, that many of y'all know, that's very loud, help me out with this. I, I'm a self-aware man, and I recognize that I have a pretty boring voice. I feel like I'm very monotonous. I don't really go from here, don't go to here. Coach Lang doesn't have a boring voice. And so Coach Lang stood up in front of everyone, and he said, let's go. And that's what they're saying. The shepherds didn't say, hey, in the morning when our shift's over, let's go. They didn't say, hey, after we go uh, take care of our families real quick, let's go. No, they saw the importance of the moment, the miraculous moment that was before them. And they said, we got to go. We got to see this. Will you do the same? Will you drop what is in your hands that is keeping you from the gift of God and let's go? Because when we receive the gift of God, it compels us and it commissions us into giving and into being poured out when we receive those things. In our reception, we can't help but give and worship. And so we're going to end right where we started in Hebrews. 
where the writer sits. You know what? Let's stand. I know we're going to have a blessing at the end, but can we be blessed more than once? Is that okay? Yeah. Let's open our hands and receive this. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Let's go. So I'm going to invite our prayer team up. And that's what I want to invite you to this morning. What's holding you back? What are the things that you're clinging to this morning? that are in opposition to receiving what the Lord has to give us. That are in opposition uh, to you imagining the miraculous moment that God emptied himself, taking on the form of a man, Emmanuel, God is with us. Breaking the chains slavery of fear of death. So God, I ask that you would lay it on our hearts this morning that in conviction you lay on our hearts what it is that we hold to so tightly that keeps us from receiving. And we lay those down just as we sing, we surrender to you. Have your way with us. And in our, in our reception of you, we know that it compels us to give. Holy Spirit, do your work. We know that you are present. We know that you are near. Do your work in us. In the name of Jesus, the resurrected son, the church said, Amen. So we're going to sing a song. This song has been around for hundreds of years. And it's a song of Christmas. And I want you to see the response that's given to the gift of God. Because just as we said, when we receive it, we can't help but worship. We can't help but give. And the response in this song is fall on your knees and hear the angels singing. Christ is the Lord. Praise his name forever. And we join in that song for hundreds of years. We join with the saints who have gone before. We join with the people in this room in response to what God has done in our lives, that he became man, that he became Emmanuel, that he is with us, that it wasn't a promise that ended, that it's not just a promise to be, that it is a promise that in his moment, he is near. And will you receive it this morning? And when you do, let's go. Amen? Amen.